0: Psalm 73, the psalmist says, Who do I have in heaven but you, O God? And besides you, I desire nothing here on earth. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my heart. The nearness of God is my good. Thank you, God. Your nearness is our good, and we sit in it and rest in it, your goodness, right now. I ask, Lord, that you'd use these um, words to bring uh, encouragement, hope, faith this morning. We ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide, to correct, to encourage, to empower, and to bring breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, as you probably know if you've been here for a second, we're in a series called Journey of the Soul, Uh, talking about stages of faith and formation. And... um, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a transition period in the life of faith, not so much a stage as this uh, transition called the wall. And if you remember, if you were here, I illustrated with uh, whitewater rafting. When you are coming up uh, through big rapids and you're about to hit a rock, instead of leaning away from it, you have to, all right, three of you were here. That's great. You, you got to lean into it. And by leaning into the the challenge, the wall, it's... Th- It's God supernaturally. It's the circumstances and the forces of supernature that take you through the rapids in a safe way. Um, It's a great illustration. It's helpful for me, and a lot of people said that was helpful for them. How many love the part, though, where there isn't a big wall and you're just, imagine, paddling downstream rather than upstream? You just got the current taking you. Or you're in a sailboat um, if you know how to sail and the wind is just taking you, and it's glorious. Or, my personal favorite, the people mover in the airport. (laughs) You know, you get on, it's a little awkward at first, and then you're just cruising, you know? And you're like, I I was going to say you're O.J. Simpson, but that dates me, and it brings a whole bad thing. Step back. He used to be a good guy running through the airport. Just leave it at that. So um, that's more like the stage we're talking about this morning, spirit-led ministry. That's a stage of faith in our formation, in our journey with Jesus, where um, we're led by the Holy Spirit, and we experience just not the power of the Holy Spirit, but the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit in ministry. Um, We've been through confidence in Christ, where we first see our need for Jesus and experience grace through help and discipleship where we learn and we grow and we learn spiritual disciplines, uh, responsibilities in ministry where we recognize our gifts and begin to serve and see fruit in and through our lives. We talked about the wall, that transition place, crisis, burnout, failure, something sort of gets us to a place that we don't know how to press through. And we're invited to surrender to God who alone can take us through that barrier. Um, he, um, Adam did a great job talking about the inner journey, that God-led quest for renewal through empathy, emotional growth, longing for God, truth, and healing. That tension between uh, lament and hope that Adam talked about, where we know that um, God's got some things to heal in us, but there's hope for the future because he's a healing God. We just sang about that. And so we come this morning to the fifth stage of the journey, the Spirit-led ministry. Another book on faith formation calls this the journey outward. So we talked about the inner journey. This is kind of after you've after you've followed Jesus in to find out what he's doing inside you, there's a release, there's a, a redirection outward. And it's almost like we come back to a type of stage two again, where we're refocused and reoriented outward towards the world, the difference here is that our focus is much more others and God-oriented and a little bit more, less about, like, am I doing okay and how's this working, which we all know that feeling. So definition uh, by, the, by the authors of the book that we've been reading and referencing, at this stage of faith, our greatest joy and impact is to act with the presence and the power of the Spirit to serve others. The, the greatest joy we have is to walk out into the world in the power and the presence of God and see other people served, see other people encouraged and blessed. At the wall, God helped us, and some of you are in this or facing it right now. God helped us to get rid of some of the false selves. You know, yeah, there's someone getting rid of a false self right there, a little baby. You know, that, those things that we do that we kind of construct to figure out how am I going to go through the world and we create a way that we want people to see us. Because it's the way we want to be. And at the wall, God God helps us let go of that. So that that true, um, as Paul talks about in Colossians 3, the, the self hidden in Christ with God is revealed and emerges. Through the inner journey, we learn how to live and work from that authentic self created by God, redeemed by Jesus, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. So now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the cycle of works and the cycle of grace. I won't go through that again, but we, um, I explained how it is easy for us, uh, even after we come to Christ, to sort of do work in order to get value, to get significance and therefore be valuable and accepted. That's the cycle of works that we can fall into even as believers. And Jesus, in his love, turns that around for us. So that from a place of full acceptance in Christ, Ephesians 1.6, accepted in the beloved, we then go and uh, recognize our value before God. We're the chosen. We're the beloved of God. And from that place of acceptance and value, we then go out into the kingdom and we do work. Not for God's grace, but from God's grace. Um. And so in this stage, this fifth stage, we're beginning to experience a lot more life in that cycle of grace and a lot less in that cycle of works. We're beginning to embrace more graciously the wisdom that's available in all, in all areas of life. If you know someone in this stage, they're moving away from so much either-or thinking and beginning to embrace the tension of the kingdom, the now and the not yet, the both-and. Of life, it can kind of freak you out, you know. You think some you you've talked to someone they know so clearly what they believe, and all of a sudden they open up. You know, I may not know as much as I thought I did. Please trust me. That's a good thing. That's called humility, not lack of conviction. Now, sometimes they might look alike, but be be careful out there. <laughs> so um, we return to the outward outward-oriented focus of that responsibilities in ministry stage, but more of the focus on God and others. You'll find yourself or someone you know in this stage not having to strive quite so much, not pushing so hard to make growth happen, to make ministry happen. Um, and it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't attendant in all of the other stages. It's something that happens in the soul that God and God alone does when we cooperate with him, that allows us to depend more on the Holy Spirit and have to prove ourselves a little bit less. We're more confident in our identity and in our calling, and we're more content to just walk that out in the power of the Holy Spirit with, without quite as much fanfare. I think in the scriptures, we might see this stage per- portrayed in Hannah, 1 Samuel 1 and 2, If you remember the story of Hannah, we talk about it every time we do uh, child dedications. Hannah was one of two wives. There's a problem right there, but I digress. Hannah was one of two wives of a guy named Elkanah. She had no children, which caused her in that society and in that time to to have quite a bit of shame because uh, barrenness was seen as sort of God had abandoned her. So her social status um, was always questioned, especially during the feast, the festivals where the other wife who had children would mock Hannah. And so at one of these special seasons, uh, 1 Samuel 1, Hannah goes to the temple and she's crying out to God. God, I need, I need a child. I want a child. Give me a son. God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord answers her prayer. And the Lord gives her a son And when the child is weaned, she gives him to the service of God. So here's why I say, I think Hannah is exemplary of this spirit-led ministry stage. When Hannah finally gets what she thinks she needs to be comfortable and okay, when she finally gets that from God, she gives it back to him. When she finally gets the thing that she thinks she needs to be content in life. Do you know that sense of, God, I need this. I need this. When God finally gives it to her, she turns right around and gives it back to God. That's spirit-led ministry. That's recognizing, finally, God, I have some power. I have some authority in ministry. I have some, some, something to say out there in the world. I don't need it so much anymore. I'll give it to you, and God, I'll let you do what you want with my gifts and my calling. Does that make sense? it's uh, i mean one of the encouragements of this uh series this journey of the soul is you want to get there if you're not there's a there's a joy there's a glory in recognizing i get to do from the grace of god not in order to get from god or others i think we see jesus at this stage throughout his ministry you know jesus Um, is acclaimed by God, accepted, he's the beloved, the spirit comes down, he goes into the wilderness, he goes through lots of challenging experiences, and he comes out, led by the spirit, out into his ministry, and and you don't ever see Jesus striving for acceptance. He seems to do exactly the opposite, you know? Like, Jesus, give us, hi, (laughs) welcome back. (laughs) Sorry. Um, You you don't see Jesus striving for acceptance. In fact, sometimes it seems like what you see from Jesus is, I'm going to give a real barnstormer. We're going to really get the crowd, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, whoa, not a great marketing campaign. He didn't seem to care because he knew who he was in God. He knew whose he was. He knew what his identity and his his calling was. And so he could walk in that. Did that mean that Jesus never had any challenges? Absolutely not. I mean, his entire ministry was fraught with challenges, but it didn't shake his joy. He didn't depend on man to get his acclamation. He, he had it already from God, and from that place, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he, um, he did his ministry. He then could say, John 5, 19, I do only what I see the Father doing. Because he didn't need people to tell him what to do. Now, in this stage of ministry, there can be a roadblock. It's our old friend, the dark night of the soul, which I will not spend a lot lot of time talking about. But just as a reminder, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We can come to a place before this stage, in the midst of this stage, after this stage, where God allows either the sense of his presence or even a sense of his spirit's blessing on us to be darkened I'm, I'm not saying god does it i don't know how it all works but this is the story of histories of uh, the history of um, saints in the faith that there there can come a time as a roadblock during or before this stage where that you just kind of go through a season of i can't feel god i don't know where god is i don't I, can't, I don't have a sense of his presence or i know god's here but i'm not sure he's good And I'll just personally tell you, I've been through a couple of seasons like that. They're hard, they're challenging, and they're God-blessed because we recognize that it's not sense or even spirit that we require to do what God calls us to do. It It is God himself, sometimes even in the darkness, sometimes when we don't even sense that he's there at all. If you're in that place, can I remind you, Psalm 139, read through Psalm 139 for the next month or year if you're in a dark place. And just remember, not only has God knit you together in your mother's womb and created every single part of you, blessed, loved, and accepted it, but he's got every single aspect, every day of your life planned for you before one of them came about. That's the Bible speaking. In Psalm 139, it says that even our darkness is not dark to God because darkness is as light to him. It's such a beautiful thing if you're walking through a dark time to be able to look to heaven, whether you can see God or not, and say, God, I feel dark, but you can see perfectly inside me. And my darkness is not dark to you. I have found that when times are dark, And we can't see with our own eyes, physical or spiritual, and everything just seems kind of murky, that we're invited then by God to see with his eyes. And that's why the scripture is so important. It's why us being grounded in the word is so important. Because when you get through that dark time, you realize you can look into the Psalms, you can look into any part of the scripture and realize there's truth and there's light here. Even if I can't feel it, it doesn't mean God's not present with me. Don't forget in the dark what God showed you in the light. There are some temptations at this stage of uh, faith formation specific to this journey. So you've kind of come through all those stages and you're. Being led by the Holy Spirit in your ministry, there's joy, there's freedom, there's fruit, there's less striving, not perfect and not without challenge, but uh, I think a little bit more joy and freedom at this stage. You can be tempted to blur your emotions with the Holy Spirit. Because there's a sense of, wow, God's in me, and I kind of, I think I got this figured out. I know what I'm doing. It's easy to let emotions take over and then call it the Holy Spirit. In the charismatic church, I think we're particularly susceptible. So let's just not be afraid, but beware that um, we have the word and we have the spirit and they work together to form us into the, um, the, uh, the the what? The something of Jesus, into the nature of Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's what he wants to do in the midst of us. So blurring emotion and, and spirit can be a temptation here. Impulsiveness. We can become so dependent on the Spirit in a good way that we throw away the discipline of planning. <laughs> and half of us are like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get to that part. And the other half are, ah, don't do it. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 16, 19. That's the both and. We don't throw away planning just because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The mind of man plans his ways, given by God. And then as long as we're open to the Lord directing our steps, God can do everything he wants to do in and through us. Another temptation, diminishing the importance of the scriptures because we have so much experience. And, And hopefully what you will hear when you come to the vineyard here is we continue to go back to the scriptures to search and to see if what God's showing us by the Spirit is true because he's given us his word. He's given us his truth. It's a foundation for us. The temptation I don't want to talk about but is very uh, um, possible during this time is pride. It, it is easy at this point to say I've been through all that stuff. I think I got this figured out and I um, Read through the Bible, do a study on pride. You'll see God's not too keen on it. He loves the humble. And so this is our call constantly to humble ourselves before the, the mighty uh, plan of God. And then he lifts us up at the right time. Last temptation that I'll talk about here in this place is we can become disillusioned with the church. And I think especially these days, there are, there are probably a lot of people in the church who are no longer in the church. They grew up in the church. They kind of went through the stages. They maybe even went through the wall. They've done the inner work and they come back into the church. They think, I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do, but I don't think I need the body anymore. And that, I mean, there's a pride in that, right? To say, you know, I'll just, I'll do this on my own. And I'll just lovingly say, beware. And as soon as we isolate ourselves, we agree with the enemy. You know, wasn't it the enemy who said to um, to Adam and Eve, you can be like God without God? Sometimes the temptation here is, I can do all the work of the church. I just don't need the church. You no, know, we're called to do this together. We're called to be a body. So with those temptations in mind, um, hear and receive God's provision this morning from Psalm 23.5. Psalm 23, 5, it says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's a perfect verse for this stage of the journey of the soul. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. We can see that anointing with oil as at least two things. It can be the anointing of healing, but also the anointing of empowerment. Just read back through that. I hadn't seen this before, and I, I saw it. And I realized this is beautiful. When uh, the psalmist is explaining how God leads him on the journey of life, he looks at God and he says, God, you anoint my head with oil. You heal me. So that you can anoint my head with power, you can use me. They, They go hand in hand, the healing and the empowerment. And I think it's a good picture of this particular stage of faith we have walked through some of the healing of God and we're ready for the empowerment of God to go through, hopefully, a more humble vessel. Um, One writer on stages of faith in a different book, he says that eventually, in our Christian life, every believer needs to get to the point where they realize that Jesus doesn't want to be a part of our lives. He's inviting us to be a part of his life. And this is a part of what happens in the midst of this journey. If you can see, there's kind of three stages before the wall and three stages after the wall. There's kind of a first and the second half of the journey. And maybe one way to express the difference is in the first part of the journey, we're rec- we're trying to figure out how does Jesus fit into my life? He's going to be Lord of this area. I'm going to give him this. I'm going to do this for him. Okay. And at the second part of the journey, Jesus is saying, Now that you've uh, awakened to the reality of your brokenness and my grace, why don't you join my life? And I'm I'm not saying it's a right or a wrong, but it's a part of growth, right? Um, It's like, uh, well, I'll talk about one of my children who isn't here this morning. Our youngest child was one of those that, you know, at any point when we'd say, I want to show you how to do this, he'd say, "I I know, I got it, you know. I'll just say his name, Johnny. Johnny's five years old. Now, I want to show you how, I got it, Dad. You know, I know how to do this. No big deal. Well, it took some humility to, to the point where he finally realized, actually, I need help. I can't figure, I don't have just naturally everything that I need. I need other people. And that's what happens in this stage. We recognize we're a part of God's plan. He's not a part of ours. Um, If you're in this stage and you're here at the church, at the vineyard, you're looking at me or you're sitting there and you're looking at me, I want to say a few things to you. Thank you for persevering. Thanks for being here at the church. Thanks for following Jesus. Thanks for doing it at great cost because some of you, are serving Jesus and have followed Jesus and remain in the church at great cost, cost that only Jesus and you know. But I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for serving in the church in spite of the faults and the failings of the church. Thank you for not abandoning the body of Christ just because they didn't do a great job emulating the Christ. Thanks for persevering. Thanks for serving Jesus as you serve this church. Thanks for walking ahead. Some of you here in this room are forerunners. You've walked ahead. You've seen the land, and you've come back, and you said, here's what God wants, and we as a church are just trying to get there, right? Thanks for not casting us aside, even though you've seen where we're headed, and you know it's it, it's where we're going, but we, we just can't do it yet. And And you know... You all know (laughs) who I'm talking to. We welcome you. We appreciate you. We value you. And we need you. Each and every one of you. And so I say to those of you in that stage of faith right now, don't settle. Don't stop. Don't rest on on any laurels. Keep going. There's more of God's love to experience. And there's more of his love and power to give away to the world. The kingdom's here, and it wants to keep going, and it is through people like you. Those of us in the first three stages, or in the wall, or, you know, stuck in that inner journey, we need your wisdom. We need your encouragement. We need you to say it's going to be okay, and you're going to make it. If you're not at this stage of the journey, and you're hearing me talk, and you're thinking, that sounds great. Um, I identify more with the Christ stage, or, you know, just beginning in discipleship, or, Gosh, I'm really in responsibilities in ministry. I'm feeling it or I'm hitting the wall or I'm diving deep into the inner journey. Some of you right now are saying, Randy, I just want to know one thing. Is there anything I can do to go faster? Can I skip any of that horrible part that you've been talking about? Can we just sort of edit the dark night of the soul and skip to the spirit-led ministry and then transforming union? And my answer is... I doubt it. <laughs> I I doubt it. I'm not going to say no. God's the one who leads your journey, not me. Um, I just doubt it. It's possible that some people at this stage look to you like maybe they're a little isolated. Like maybe they've, you might see someone at this stage and say, man, they, they don't seem very committed or they just... I mean, they're real peaceful, almost too peaceful. What's wrong with them? Have they given up on God? How come they're not pushing and striving anymore? I've probably looked like that at times. Tiny bit about my own story. I think I went through those first three stages through um, college and uh, years on the mission field and first couple years of seminary pretty quickly. Um, and uh, maybe through 26, 27, 28 years old, got married, two children born during those seminary years, and then a few crises and a few failings and a few struggles. And I think God lovingly flung me into the wall and the inner journey for maybe 20 years or so. But don't be discouraged. That's not my point is to discourage. My point is God, God is the God of seasons. He knows our season. There were lots of there's, there was lots of fruitful ministry in that stage those stages of my life, lots of joy, relational richness, as well as some pain and some disappointment and some struggle, and a lot of learning about who am I, who is God, what's the difference between us, <laughs> how do we relate, and how does that whole package go out into the world, and figure out what it looks like. So I don't know if we can fast forward through any stages but if you're not there yet or you're just beginning or you really resonated with the wall or that inner journey let me just give you a few encouragements take every single opportunity or invitation to grow to repent to surrender and to heal take every single opportunity or invitation God gives you whether it's your sin or the sin of, an, of another to grow to repent to surrender and to heal because all that gets to happen before you move into later stages it doesn't end but it it does have to precede this stage we have no power to change the season that we're in i, I don't i mean that's my opinion i don't think we get to say We get to declare, God, I just declare for myself a new season because he's the God of the seasons, right? You can walk around in flip-flops and shorts in the middle of winter. It doesn't do any good. It's still winter, and it's uncomfortable. It's called denial. (laughs) (laughs) But what we can do is cooperate with God in every season of our life. Cooperate with God. Whatever season you're in, are you willing right now to own it? Okay, here I am. I'm in this season. And as someone once told me, and so I tell everyone I ever minister to, don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain. If God's doing something that's painful right now, learn from it. Don't run from it, lean into it. It's, it's a part of God's grace. It's a part of your journey. And sometimes you just need to own it. Galatians 5.25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I love that. It's, It's a picture of if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, let's stay in step with Him. Let's not go ahead of the Holy Spirit and decide what God's going to do for us. But let's not lag behind the Holy Spirit. When He says, go, go. When He says, do, do. When He says, act, act. When He says, be quiet. Be quiet. When he says, just be, then just be, and you're in step with the Holy Spirit. We can choose to accept where we are, and we can choose to learn from every season. So I wonder if, for any of us here this morning, there's an aspect of this season of your life that God, even right now, is saying, I want you to own it. I want you to accept it. I want you to to be in the midst of it. I want you to dig into it. Follow the pain down to the root of the pain. Counselor I had once said, From the roots come the fruits. So if you're seeing bad fruits, you want to go down to the roots so you can pull those babies out. Making sense? It rhymes anyway. <laughs> Protect yourself less and trust God a little bit more. Psalm 62, 7 and 8. My salvation and my honor depend on God, He's my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Our salvation and our honor depend on God, meaning we do not have to constantly defend ourselves. You might as well give it up now. It'll save you so much time and energy. Choose ruthless honesty with yourself, God, and others. People wiser than me say something like this. What we fail to own often will own us. What we fail to accept, to realize, to recognize, to be honest about sometimes can turn around and control us, right? So own it. Owning your sin, owning your addiction, it doesn't mean I'm going to camp here and live in it forever, but once you have owned it, then you can give it to God so he can transform it. Until you own it, we're in denial. And we're living a life that God can't come and be a part of because it's not real. So own your real life. Uh, I love this quote. It's It's from a monk. I like monks. God loves the real you, not the person you wish you were. If you look for his love there, that is in the person you wish you were, you'll miss it. We can't really know God's love for us until we know the one he loves. Until you recognize, here's where and who I am, I don't know how to accept God's love for where and who I am. Once I do that, I walk in freedom. I can walk in that place of acceptance. God loves me, and I don't have to prove myself. It doesn't give me license to do whatever I want, but it does give me freedom to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and then leave the results to God. I had other good things to say, but I think that's enough for now. Let's stand. If the ministry team could come forward, that'd be great. I, I want to say to to all of us and to the guy on the stage too, wherever we are in those stages of faith, one piece of advice I'll give you: keep walking. Don't stop. Keep walking. I think it was some famous general or someone you said if you're if you're if you're walking through hell, keep walking. <laughs> Don't camp there. Keep going. Keep going after Jesus. Sometimes along the way to the anointing of our heads, with the oil of healing and empowerment and goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives, sometimes on the way to that is the valley of the shadow of death. And so keep walking and take comfort in the rod and the staff of the good shepherd. They won't always feel comfortable, but you can trust the guidance and the correction of Jesus in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the good news of Psalm 23. In the midst of the challenge of Psalm 23, we thank you, God, that you choose to anoint our heads with oil, to bring your healing to us, and to anoint us with your power. Even, God, you love us so much, you would trust us with the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, will you come now and touch us, your people, and lead us in this journey, whatever stage we're in, lead us. I, 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 I do think that um, there are some people here specifically this morning. God is uh, speaking to you about the season you're in, and you've been trying to avoid the season you're in. And I think the Lord's saying it's time to accept the season you're in and find me in the midst of it. So if, that's, if that resonates with you, or you want someone to pray for you on for anything that we've talked about this morning, or then uh, you're free to come up and let the ministry team pray for you. So I just uh, release you into the goodness of God. I release you into the power of God, into the power of the Holy Spirit, working and living in and through your lives for the glory of Jesus. Amen.